played once, Sam. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Sing it, Sam. You must remember this. You know the classic lines. You know the love story. The only thing you didn't know is that the rom-com gents were going to review it. Nah, we're not going to review it tomorrow, not for the rest of your life. Just today. Because that's what we do. We review a movie once. So round up the usual suspects and pour them a drink at Rick's. It's time for that 1942 Michael Curtiz masterpiece, Casablanca. On that you can rely. the future brings as time goes by. It might be a good idea for you to disappear from Casablanca for a while. There's a free French garrison over at Brazzaville. I could be induced to arrange a passage. My letter of transit? I could use a trip. It doesn't make any difference about our bet. You still owe me 10,000 francs. And that 10,000 francs should pay our expenses. Our expenses? Mm-hmm. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Were you watching cartoons as a child? Yes. You were there? Yes. Do you remember the Peter Laurie like character in yeah. those Looney Tunes? Yeah, where he was he was always working for like a mob boss or something like that. And he but it was, was actually like, Peter he was Laurie. Like, he was like, they make me laugh. <gasps> Did you know who that was? Did I know who Peter Laurie was when you were a little kid? It was such a weird thing to be referencing for us. Um. Well, I don't. Well, for one, Looney Tunes wasn't made for us. It was made for people like 40 years before us. They should have been thinking about the kids in the future. I think Peter Laurie maybe was, it's like like parents are watching and they're like, oh, Peter Laurie, I love this. I love this shit. This is great. He was and then, like, hey, kids, watch this. You're going to love him one day. But what's funny is that he wasn't even Peter Laurie. It was some guy who was trying to be Peter Laurie. It wasn't like they got Peter Laurie. Who uh, it was? Um, Tom Hanks. Kelly, shut up! <laughs> it was Kelly. Tim Allen. Oh my God! No, it wasn't. It was um, West. Something West. May West. West. West Anderson. Once upon a time in the West. Into the West by Annie Lennox. It's so hard for me to think <laughs> when you just ramble. You were asking me. <laughs> like in like a. It. Billy West. Who's Billy West? Billy West is one of the most famous voice actors. Oh. I think he took over for somebody, though. Who did the original Bugs Bunny? Um, I should know this. Is That's that... who I was trying to talk about. Uh, what, what was his name? Look it up. I am. Because we suck at this. Google it. Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc. Gosh, we're idiots. Blanc? Blank. Blanc. Blanc. It's white. Right. Yeah, I bet it was Mel Blanc, who was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a Pia Laurie impression. That's fine. We're drinking buddies. Wait, hold on a second. Do you we think Do you think Warner Brothers was like, uh, let's see, who should we um, 
let's see, who should we make fun of this week? Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre is really recognizable. And then like Peter Lorre is like at his cousin's bar mitzvah or something. And like some kids are watching Looney Tunes in the background. And he's like, like hey, 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 I didn't, I didn't sign off on this. Do the thing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. My name is Kelly Peter Lorre McCrillis. As always, is my co-host. Ryan Graves. Uh, Ryan, give me a bogey. Uh, and I don't mean a booger. Uh, well, she... <laughs> Did he ever whistle at people? He whistled at people. Bogey? No. No, I don't, I don't see... I don't see bogey... Bogey's laying back too much in the cut. Yeah. He'll never come after you. He's waiting for you to come to him in the middle of the night while he's drunk. And he's like, I knew you'd be here. Let's hear your bogey. Um, not in all the gin joints in all the world, see? That's pretty good. You all, you almost went into Bugs Bunny, but... Hold on. Pretty, okay. <clears throat> Hold on. Hold on. G- give me something to say as, as uh, bogey. Oh, uh, here. What about us? What about us? No. It's <laughs> what, about, what about us? You gotta relax. What about us? What about us? You gotta, you gotta shove a cigarette in the middle of your teeth. Between your two what teeth. What about us? There you go. What about us? Again? There you go. Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. What about us? <laughs> well, before we get what to- What about the, us, Ingrid? Before we get to the real bogey, hey, Kelly. Hey, Ryan. Guess what? What? We've got a Patreon. Most subtle of transitions ever in the history of podcasts. Yes, have, we do, Ryan. Have you heard? I have heard. Um, we, got, uh, we got a new uh, bonus episode this week, don't we? We got a new bonus essay by you this week. Oh, we have a new bonus essay. That's right. It's on uh, Miyazaki and his love language um, and how, you know, it's it's beautiful and poetic and respectful and more people should emulate it. I'm going to tell you one thing I liked about the essay. Oh, I'm glad you liked one. <laughs> I had five, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> oh, I have one. This thing. is this is what keeps us in a relationship together is I'm always working to earn your respect. And I'm always withholding. Ryan. <laughs> What about us? <laughs> what I really loved about your essay is that you made a pretty good case. I don't know if you intended it to be this, but you made a pretty good case that Miyazaki is almost a better rom-com like storyteller than most rom-com storytellers. That he has something more substantial to say about human relationships and love. Yeah, but than maybe normal rom-com screenwriters. I, I saw that when I got to the end of the essay too and then I was like I was like, well, is that really what rom-coms are trying to do, though? Most rom-coms are just like, people, but the competitive people gotta ones, love each other. The competitive ones, like the yeah. the really serious ones, like When Harry Met Sally or right. something like that. Which is what I started the essay off. I like started like this essay. I'm like, I gotta write about Miyazaki. Well, I just wrote about When Harry Met Sally. I guess we'll start there. Yeah, and you you have ample evidence, so I I, I like that. I Thank like you. That. Well, I'm glad. Uh, and if you like it, you can come check us out at patreon.com backslash romcomgents, uh, where Ryan will be doing some other essay this week. you have any ideas, or are you going to surprise the audience? Well, I, I kind of wanted to workshop something for you for 10 seconds, um, you know, if you, if you wanted to take 10 seconds. And go. So I watched Breakfast Club this week. Sure. And I wanted to, I don't know how to brush the topic, but I kind of want to talk about the failure of masculinity. But yep. that's, okay. And are we out? And oh, that's 10. 10. Okay. Failure of masculinity. That's. Because um... there's something about Bender, uh, Ben Emilio Estevez's character. Are you saying like the, the ultimate end and complete failure? Or are you just saying that um, the, or are you meaning the evolution of it? It's oh, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Masculinity done. It's over. No, it's just like Bender is you know 
watching it today would say Bender is problematic. And then we would say Emilio Estevez is problematic. And then maybe on a more smaller scale, like Anthony Michael Hall, you could almost say is problematic. And I would kind of say, what do we do with this? What do we do with these characters that are kind of challenging and not as fun today as it was 30 years ago? Sure. Or, or I mean, like, I, I guess the, the, the question that I would love for you to tackle is also what's the difference between representational masculinity that is saying this is what like some people think masculinity is because those characters themselves are humans, right? Mm -hmm. They're very flawed humans, but does that mean that we don't have them as characters? Right. Or, you know, is there a way to represent that and have the story? Like, cause I feel like all of them change throughout, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, especially if, if we're looking at Emilio Estevez, his his character is one that recognizes the that the masculinity within himself that has been like kind of ground into him by his father is false and, and poisonous yeah and destroying him yeah and i feel like you you without like if if you're calling them problematic characters then we're giving him no room to have that growth. Ooh, oh maybe you should write the essay no no i i, I think you tackling <laughs> it is a good idea yeah okay. yeah I can't wait to read it. Okay. And then, uh, of course, we have our, our bonus episode um, on Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind, which is um, the first, the second Miyazaki feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, it's like the first, first, second Miyazaki First, film. second. It's, it's the first epic big one. Yeah. And then uh, you can also, if you're on there, you can help us uh, pick which movie we're going to do at the end of the month. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, right now, Whisper of the Heart, another uh, Ghibli movie is still winning, but we got Jerry Maguire, 13 going on 30, and Love and Basketball in the mix. So if you want us to do one of those instead, please, by all means. And they're getting scrubbed from polls after this. It's not like they're going to like be con- like the losers are being forwarded to the next poll. They're yeah, we, being flung. We off might the still poll. do them eventually, but like you'll have no say in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the Patreon. Again, that link is patreon.com backslash romcom gents come visit us come and come enjoy the spot with us come there's there's gonna be tons to read like we only just started it last month but so far we're putting out content every week mm-hmm. it's a beautiful place mm-hmm. now ryan to shimmy away from business i'm gonna take you to another beautiful place which is the game corner is that what yeah it's the welcome to the game corner it's so pretty <laughs> i just imagine this like thrift store and there's this like neon sign like game corner it's just like puzzles with a lot of pieces missing man i want to go like, hang out in powell's right now so bad <laughs> it's open again i know but it's not like it's not the same it's not i mean it will be it will we'll get there i'm getting my second dose tomorrow man Ooh, ooh. it doesn't make me a superhero i understand that people i'm just excited about it i'm jelly but welcome, Ryan, once again to the game corner. Your favorite game. It's two lies, a truth, and a pizza place. But there's only one lie, and no pizza. Wow. So there's no gluten-free pizza. No. Sorry, buddy. Gluten-free is a lie. <clears throat> so do you know the rules? Um, you're gonna tell me three things, three plots of three different movies. Yeah. One of them isn't real. Yeah. And you're gonna have to guess which it is. And I went to the 1940s for all of these today because our movie that we're reviewing Casablanca is from 1942 and these are a bunch of rom-coms of the same era I I love that we're not doing a rom-com Casablanca I would not call a rom-com no but it is a romance it's one of the great romances definitely a romance 
Are you ready? Yeah. First movie. Artist playboy, Dickie Nugent. Oh, God. <laughs> appears before beautiful judge, Margaret Turner, for fighting at a nightclub. And he charms her into dismissing the charge. But later that same day, Dickie happens to lecture at a high school where Margaret's teenage sister, Susan, falls head over heels for him. Things get complicated when Susan sneaks away and is found in Dickie's apartment and downright zany when he's in court, ordered to date the teen as a way of easing her attraction. What happens? (laughs) I don't know, probably more court orders after that. (laughs) Are you ready for part Uh two? After his wife, Ellen, disappears at sea. Nick waits seven long years before finally marrying the lovely Bianca. As luck would have it, Ellen suddenly reappears in Nick's life during his honeymoon with Bianca. What? And informs him that she's been shipwrecked on a desert island. No! Nick is obviously overjoyed to see her, but becomes insane with jealousy when he learns of her only island companion, the handsome Stephen. Oh, Stephen. On the edge of a nervous breakdown, Prince Rupert de Garde takes a trip to New York two weeks before his arranged marriage. When trying to place a phone call home that won't connect, he has an intriguing hour-long conversation with the lovely Helen, a telephone operator for the city. But it gets cut short due to a power failure. Determined to find this woman he could love more than the woman he is about to marry, Rupert spends the next couple of days calling the service in an attempt to find Helen by listening to her voice. Eventually, he has to go undercover as a janitor at the New York City Transit Authority building (laughs) to find her. (laughs) Okay. The one you just read is a plot line, a subplot from A Night at the Roxbury. (laughs) Really? Because the girl at... I haven't seen Night of the Roxbury. uh, There's this girl who works at Discover Card and um, uh, not Will Ferrell, the Chris Kattan has to, you know, wants to always talk to this girl who works at Discover Card and he's always calling in about like bogus cards and stuff. Well, maybe it's based on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The first one is The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. Soxer? Soxer? Right? Cary Grant? It is. Yes. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Damn, it's so hard to find a movie that you haven't seen or don't know the plot of. Don't start. Don't just maybe retire Cary Grant. <sighs> maybe maybe put him in a little box. Okay. But did you know that he made like 60 films? Dude, that guy, that guy's like the, well, there's a lot of people who have made 60 films probably out there. Yeah, but. But that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So there might be one in, in, the, Cary, in the Cary Grant collection that I haven't heard of. Perhaps. So. The third one sounds like a not Frank Capra movie. That sounded very much like a 40s plotline. So I just, just by process of elimination, I'm picking that one as the more real of the plotlines. So I'm saying. So which one's the fake one? The middle one with the shipwrecked person. Although that sounds also very 40s plotline. Unfortunately, you picked the true movie. It's true, true. Yeah. It's true, true. <laughs> I tricked you. <sighs> um, the movie that you picked 
is a Cary Grant film. Oh my god. There you go. Named it's called My Favorite Wife. And that's where Cary Grant plays the um Were they all Cary Nick. Grant movies? Well, the two yes. real ones. Well, the third no. one should have been a Cary Grant. The third one is also a Cary Grant movie. It just was never made. See, you you you, you did it because you were so specific. The details were so good. I know. Uh, so uh, Robin and I came up with that one last night, and uh, I was like, we kept going over it and being like, we need it to be more specific. We need it to be more specific. I think the clincher that does it is that I found out where the operators were located in New York at the Transit Authority building. Yeah, and I was like. I got to add that. Yeah. Yeah. That took research. My friend, you were so hard to trick that I had to literally do research, which I try not to do for these movies. I'm so glad that I could oblige. All right. Well, Ryan, I have spent too much time making up stories. Why don't you just tell me the story of Casablanca? Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. The story of Casablanca is a simple one. You have a young man. His name is James Bond. He works for the... Wait, what? What? Oh, 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 Casablanca, Casablanca. What what did you think I said? So so before we get into this, did you notice on your rewatch that the um, romantic subplot in Casino Royale pretty much is just ripping off Casablanca in terms of uh, Ava Green's backstory? Or her husband, who she is, who, who was captured by Quantum or whatever. Right. Is... But but he's a he's a bad guy though. Her husband's a bad guy. Well, we don't know what her husband was up to. All we know is that her husband either I I still don't understand. But he's also he, you don't okay. Do you want me to tell you? Well, I don't understand oh. if he was she thought he was dead but wasn't dead, or she knew that he wasn't dead the entire time and was always no no no. So she thinks that she's saving him, but she has a suspicion that they already killed him and they're just using her. Right. And then it's not until the next movie do we find out that not only was he not dead, he's alive, and he was never really in love with her. He was just using her. Right. But generally, I got I got Casino Royale vibes in there in this like star-crossed lovers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh there's intrigue and spy work going on within a love triangle. Yeah. I get what you're saying. So in Casablanca, the the backdrop is it's 1942. We're in Casablanca, mm-hmm. which is French occupied North Africa. Correct. Unoccupied France. So Germany is occupying regular France, they're in Paris and they've occupied Paris, but they haven't, I don't understand why or how this, the politics work, but unoccupied France that's occupying Casablanca is still French controlled. Okay. I'm not sure either, but basically the Vichy government is the one that collaborated with the Germans, right? Right. And the Vichy, I mean, that's brought up a couple times in this movie. And I think the deal they made is, oh yeah, Germany, we'll, we'll become part of you know, whatever you can come occupy us, but you're going to leave our territories alone and we'll have them after the war. Sure. 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 That sounds great. Right. And, um, it was basically them just being like, whatever you want, Germany, just don't hurt us. So Casablanca became this, uh, literal way station for immigrants who were fleeing the war. Yeah. Trying to make it to Lisbon. Yeah. Because from Lisbon, you could get to America. Yeah. So, uh, 
one of the you know main hotspots of of the town, the the social you know who's who of the the delicatessen is Rick's Cafe, Cafe which is not a delicatessen. It's called Rick's Cafe American. American. Oh, there's no hurry. It's a night here at Rick's. Everybody comes to Rick's. Man. I don't know if it's just like the fact that bars are closed right now, but it's so bitchin'. It looks so cool, man. <laughs> and not only that, but apparently in this place, drinks are so cheap that you can order as many as you want and just leave them and then order more later on, leave those and go order more later on. Yeah. So everyone's like a refugee that's fleeing their home country, but they have enough money to get drunk every night. Speaking of wounded soldiers, <laughs> they're everywhere in this movie. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh man i forgot about wounded soldiers yeah we haven't been to a college party in a while thank god uh so <laughs> uh humphrey bogart is our hero he runs rick's cafe he too is um a a fleeing refugee and he mm-hmm. just landed in uh casablanca and just for whatever mysterious reason he can't go back to america so he's just gonna stick it out it's and- probably that like he did something where he incepted somebody and the military is after him and he can't go see his kids or right. something like that he is the leonardo dicaprio of the day yeah i mean he, he really is isn't he no harrison ford right? harrison ford is is the um i mean literally because it's the humphrey bogart yeah because harrison ford played humphrey bogart's in role sabrina. in sabrina so yeah. mm-hmm. i am correct no i mean i made that comment last night to robin and as I, I said i know it's impossible but i want harrison ford and humphrey bogart in the same movie can't be done they're the same person no they're oh wait so is humphrey bogart just that good yes okay <laughs> he never died um but m- most importantly before we get to rick we've found out that Two German Nazi, like clerks, exchequers. They're they're just officers. They were murdered, and they had a signed letter from Charles de Gaulle that said, "Whoever has these tickets can go wherever they want." (laughs) And it's just like the most magical monopoly ticket out there. (laughs) Like you can like go straight to go, and you can keep going. In a Hitchcock movie, these would be a red herring. Uh, Like these wouldn't end up mattering to the plot it would be what everybody was looking for and then like nobody gets or like doesn't actually matter to the plot of the story right but it does matter so in this one it matters a lot it's but it's still hitchcock because that's a macguffin and that's what hitchcock does all the time is using macguffins so no no i guess macguffin is what i meant to say it is not but there are macguffins where you think it's really important, but not in the in the sense of the Maltese Falcon, which is another bogey film. Right. The Maltese Falcon, it doesn't matter. It's not, it doesn't matter. All that matters is the intrigue surrounding it. But right. you know, but these ones do matter. Right. And right. in uh, uh, um, Ronan with Robert De Niro, they're chasing this suitcase, and that's the whole. And we point never of the movie. find out what's. We in it. We never see what's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. It, right. It's something, but we never know what it is. Marcellus Wallace's soul. Or it's a light bulb plugged into... It's probably a light bulb. <laughs> it's probably just the lighting guys were like, hey, check it, check out. it out. So uh, Peter Lorre is who killed them. Mm-hmm. And he comes and drops these um, letters of passage off with Rick. And Rick's like, fine, I'll hide it for you. Yeah. And he puts it in his piano where his buddy Sam plays. Mm-hmm. Um, his buddy... Okay, so let's talk about Sam, Sam and Rick real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam plays piano and sings in the restaurant and he and Rick are best buds. Yeah. Best buds for life. 
Yeah, they seem like best buds or something because like at one point in time, we see them together in France at another cafe and Sam is playing there too. So did Rick own that cafe and Sam just always plays for him or are they just friends that found themselves in here and they're like, Rick's like, I'm good at running a business and you're good at playing piano. Let's do that. It's kind of like in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Short Round's just always there. He's just there. <laughs> okay. So it's it's like hero it's like and a short, sidekick? It's a short round situation. Okay. That is, it's just his sidekick and he's just going to be there for him. So you got uh, Humphrey Bogart who plays Rick Blaine. Mm-hmm. And then you have Sam who's played by Dooley Wilson. Dooley Wilson. And... Duly noted, it's Dooley Wilson. <laughs> and then basically what happens is, let, give, give us the rest of the cast of characters that, that I mean, there's a million characters Well, in this we also movie, meet um, Claude Rains, who plays the French officer, who, who is neutral because it's unoccupied France, but he's just kind of like, well, technically, you know, we kind of have to be subservient to the Germans, so right, he's I'll playing, play along. He's playing the game. Yeah. And, and he's, like, he's kind of a cad, too, because he's like, <laughs> he's, he's, I don't know. He's a cat, but he's basically Johnny Law in the land, and he's like got a he's got a sweet setup with Rick of like, hey, you know, I take care of you, you take care of me, you know, some bribes, some drinks, you know, let's exactly. not worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, man, I want that. I, I want that arrangement with somebody. You'll make it happen. Some some bribes for some free drinks. <laughs> That's all I want. Sometime. I'm so glad we've got this on recording. <laughs> yes. Um. Judge, I would like to put for evidence a rom-com podcast. Oh, rom-com. I, I like rom-coms. Uh, so Claude Rains is Johnny Law, and so that's just kind of the backdrop. And who comes to town but A, the some German hierarchy, some SS. like the Third Reich. Yeah, and he's like, hello, I'm here. That was a terrible German accent. It's Major Strasser. Yeah, Major Strasser. But we also learn that a freedom fry, freedom, freedom, freedom fryer, freedom fryer. <laughs> so fryer tuck, <laughs> freedom fighter, Paul Henreid, who plays Victor Laszlo, Victor Laszlo. Great name. Yeah. Victor Laszlo is, I'd follow that guy anywhere. He fought for the resistance. He was in a concentration camp and escaped. He's just a leader of all the underground armies that are in Europe. And, uh, he's from Czechoslovakia. And he comes in with Ingrid Bergman, who plays Ilsa. Ilsa, who is from Norway. If you haven't noticed, this is a very metropolitan like movie where everybody is from, like every European nation is yeah. somehow represented in this. Which kind of makes it the perfect World War II movie in the first place. Exactly. Because, you know, you got this place where people are coming in from all over, everybody's trying to escape. There's that weird couple who. It might be Austrian or German that are trying to escape to the U.S. and they're learning language. Yeah. Liebchen, sweet and sad. What watch? Ten watts. Such much. I love them so much. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Victor Laszlo and Ilsa, uh, this nice married couple, but he is this like hero freedom fighter and the Germans want to get him. Mm-hmm. But since they're in ocu- unoccupied France, they can't just arrest him right off the bat. They have to play the diplomatic game, which seems weird to me. It's like, you yeah. guys are Nazis. Like, do your Nazi thing and just be evil, right? Yeah, I, I, I feel like maybe this is the biggest liberty this movie took because if you have somebody in a place, like, you could... They could have gotten him just on the way to a hotel or something. Well, history buffs... 
come at us because we want to know. Because I was thinking my headcanon, and maybe it's not headcanon, maybe it was just history. Maybe there was some kind of leverage that some someone in France had over Germany of like, if you pull some shit in our territories, then no deal. Like if you if you like break break trust in some other place. I don't think there was that much leverage I didn't that I don't think had. so either yeah. so I'm I, I don't know but it's, we'll see yeah it seems to me in this film is like other good spy stories you can't just go and like sack someone if they're of importance there's some kind of diplomatic not immunity but diplomatic like protection where it's like okay you're really risking it by going out in public yeah but there's something if you kill them make it at night where nobody nobody knows who did it. Right, and because like, if someone found out, then someone would have leverage over you, and that's where the spy games comes in. Yeah. And so Victor Lazo is like, it's fine. I'm fine. We're here. It's going to be fine if we're just only here for a couple of days. And Ingrid Bergman, because she's an agent of chaos, is uh, she shows up at Rick's, and then she sees Sam, and she knows Sam, and Sam knows her, and he's and like... And Sam's like, oh, shit. Sam's mood in this movie is like... Man, why does everybody have to be so dramatic? Mm-hmm. Can you please not? And she's like, play the song, Sam. And he's like, I don't know if that was a good idea. And she's like, play the song, Sam. He's like, okay. So he plays the song. And then. And what's uh, the song? Um, you must remember this. It's the theme song to You Must Remember This. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Great podcast. Um, and it's. Um, I love how it's worked into the score. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Max Ooh. Steiner. Max Steiner. Did, did you notice in the opening credits and when Max Steiner's name came up, there it's was like, like, he was like, <laughs> I've noticed that in every classic film where the composer, like, because you know when composers are doing their score, they're watching the movie as they're composing it. Uh-huh. And as soon as their name comes up, they're like, Yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> He's like, uh, Okay, actually, I'm going to have to go back to one. Let me rewrite this. Perfect. All right, let's get some real flourish here guys ready <laughs> and um but uh, the then rick sees elsa elsa sees rick and we're like oh my gosh sexual tension they've got a past this movie has nothing but sexual tension between them mm-hmm. how did it make you feel sexual how many boners did you get <laughs> i give it four out of five boners nice yeah they please they, cut that out <laughs> i don't know we'll see <laughs> Well, basically what happens is everybody ends up at Rick's. All the people we've mentioned end up at Rick's. And there's like all these little vignettes of stories going on. And then Peter Lorre, they like, um, Renault has figured out that Peter Lorre is, you know, the one who killed the Germans and they arrest him there. And then later out, we later on, we find out that he's off. He's in this movie for 20 minutes. And yeah. it's so sad because Peter Lorre is so good. Which is weird because he was a pretty big star then. Like it's not I'm, like it was he was new. He he had been around for a decade. He's the world's biggest character actor. Yeah. Like he's he's not generally in movies a ton when he's in them, right? He's playing the Igor or he, like he's playing the assistant to the villain in um Arsenic and Old Lace, right? He's he's the character actor. But he's the bad guy in The Man Who Knew Too Much by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, that's right. He's the bad guy in M by Fritz Lang, you know. Is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's I didn't... like the main character in M. Uh, what else is he in? Oh, he's in Maltese Falcon. Him That's and right. Sydney Greenstreet. But again, like he's 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 never the. He's not. He's, he's not, not the usually main guy. the heavy. He's he's usually like the heavy's informant. Or but he's like, like Gary Oldman. It's like ah, Gary Oldman's here. Exactly. Like you always feel like this movie is. Oh, this movie's gonna be good because this guy's here. Exactly. Um, and so he gets arrested, and Victor Laszlo gets threatened, and he's, they're like, "You're not gonna leave Casablanca. You're gonna stay here." 
when we're going to keep you here the rest of your life. Yeah. So it falls out that we learned through flashback that Rick and Elsa had a love affair in Paris and, you know, they were going to run away together, but she, you know, ghosted him dramatically and yeah, left what a him. ghost. Yeah. It it's hard. It's one of the world's, or it's one of film's best ghosts Yeah, where he's, you know, she, she sent him a letter through Sam and he's standing there and it's pouring down rain on him and the ink is running and he has to get on the train and leave. And it's is just... he crying or is that just rain on his cheeks? All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. The dramatic context then becomes, okay, Victor Laszlo and Ilsa need to get out of Casablanca because he needs to fight the good fight. Oh, and they're married. And, and they're married. Him. He needs to fight the good fight in World War II so they can go win World War II. And it's 1942, so everyone's like, someone please go well, win the war. The movie's in 1941, but this movie is made in 1942, right? Or it comes out in 1942. Yeah, so I don't know where... I was just watching a documentary on this. He... Uh, Michael Curtiz, the director, was shooting Yankee Doodle Dandy on December 7th, 1941. The first day of shooting was Pearl Harbor when they were shooting this uh, musical about American patriotism. So I can't, I don't know if it was before or after Casablanca. But either well, way, I mean, they were making movies fast yeah, back yeah, in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So either way, it was right around then. Either America was about to enter or had just <laughs> I mean, entered. Basically, what you do know is this probably wasn't shot on location. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Victor Laszlo is set up as this like kind of objective hero. He's mm-hmm. not like a antagonist. He just is like the world's the world needs him. The world's greatest Bellamy, Bellamy. <laughs> right? I mean, here we'll talk about that later because we'll we'll talk about whether he is the Bellamy or not. But right. he's he's the good guy. Yeah. He's not the guy that you're falling in love with, but he's the guy you should be in love with. Yeah. And then we find out that Rick and Elsa had this, you know, love affair and this gorgeous thing and we we can just tell that their love is so special and pure and just once in a lifetime for a lot of people like it's just so uh rare yeah it's flash bang they don't they it seems like they're starting to get to know each other more and we don't we don't even know how much time they've spent together because at one point in time when they first have their first alone conversation she like teases it by saying how long were we together? And he, or he says that, and we don't get an answer to that. Mm-hmm. Like it's long enough for them to think about getting married, but in the 1940s, like in almost every movie, somebody's like, "I've known you for a week. Let's get married. Let's get married." <laughs> so uh, this becomes the central premise of the film: is this love triangle of Ilsa? Does she go off with Victor Laszlo and fight the good fight with him, or does she stay with Rick in Casablanca? Or does Rick leave Casablanca with Ilsa? Because Rick is the one with all hand. He right. has the two tickets signed by Charles de Gaulle. He gets to decide what's hap- what's going to happen. He's like, what about us and some tickets? <laughs> yeah. And the heat is on for Victor Laszlo because the, the Nazis are like, we're going to figure out a way to take him down. We'll, we'll figure it out. And Victor Laszlo is doing that stupid stuff that n- noble people often do where he's like, 
I'll go to this underground meeting in this city, even it's cool. though like, yeah, he's, he's like, I gotta go make, I gotta go see and be seen, you know, you know what I mean? It's Casablanca. But the backdrop to the rest of the other subplots are all based around this idea of like, everyone is trying to leave Casablanca and right. it's impossible because you basically have to bribe your way out. And these people have enough money for liquor, but they don't have enough money for exit pieces. I'm, I'm thinking liquor must be cheap. Like I said, I'm going to go back to like the fact that in this movie we see so many people drinking uh, Victor Laszlo is undercover, right? Uh, like he's not undercover, but he's not wanting to get grabbed by the Nazis. Right. He's kind of incognito. The first time he's at the, um, at the bar at Rick's, he has, I think three drinks in a matter of like 20 minutes. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, maybe livers were just stronger back then. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like you're trying really hard to keep a solid head on your shoulders. Maybe it's all watered down. I don't know. Maybe. But but either way, the it's a drastic situation for everyone we see on screen. Right. All the extras, we're worried about even the extras because yeah. we're like, we need to get them out of here. But they, they're trying to like sell their jewelry. They're trying to like... I don't know, figure out some kind of bribe to get out of. Yeah. Out of like Casablanca. there's, there's a bunch of subplot characters. Like there's the, uh, French woman who used to date Rick's and then like goes on a date with a Nazi and he starts yeah. a fight with like a, a was French an guy or an Italian. No, I think French a French officer? guy, yeah, a French officer, because that's, he's like pointing at her and being like, yeah. you know, you, you're sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. Then you have the young couple that's like really trying to leave the city and this is where we get to know that Renault is kind of a cad because he's going to get them their exit visas, but only if she sleeps with him. Uh-huh. Man, I love Renault, but man, that's a that's a dirty move. <laughs> dirty, dirty man, dirty bird. And yeah, basically, since Rick holds all the power, since he has these uh, letters of passport, or what is it, what are they called? I don't know. They're like visas or something. They're like the magic... They're the magic wands of the movie. It's like whatever, like the movie says, like whatever it is, it's bulletproof. Yeah. It's basically like, like if, if we were in ye old timey fantasy land, um, if somebody gave you like a rite of passage where you could show it to anybody in any part of the kingdom and they'd be like, oh, you're allowed to be here. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So should we say where the rest of the story goes? Should yeah. We, let's, I mean, because we have to talk about the, the romance and that's kind of what happens here yeah so eventually ilsa you know returns to rick for one night and they have a very 1940s hollywood night in which we see nothing nothing i say nothing okay do they have sex or don't they because she comes and they argue she points a gun at him and then he's like go ahead and shoot me we don't see her leave well, I know, but they kiss and then it fades out to him looking out the window and her sitting on the couch, fully dressed. He's wearing the same clothes. There's no hint that they had sex. There is a passage of time. There's a, I mean, it's a small passage of time. And and the movie, I think this movie doesn't shy away from the fact that they had sex earlier in the movie during that flashback because she's wearing yeah. like a oh, yeah. nightgown. Oh yeah. They definitely boned town in Paris. I so I think like at Bone Town's a suburb of Paris. Um right. I think I think Maybe the, you and I will move out to Bone Town. <laughs> Here's looking at you, Wilsha. <laughs> um but I think they just made out and then it's like we have some real b- people business to talk about because they wouldn't have sex and then she'd explain herself. She'd explain herself and then they'd have sex. Well, you know, maybe. okay. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. The other aspect to the storytelling is that we're 
stylistically in the in the realms of film noir uh-huh. it's definitely using film noir lighting oh beautiful lighting but it's also using film noir dialogue where everyone's just using really pithy dialogue and just being like uh, all these one-liners are man, tripping out of everybody man bogey's bogey's lines in this movie might be some of my favorite lines in any film he's just like zing he, zing zing and zing it's, it's but it's all like under the radar zings where like if if you were too drunk or not listening close enough you wouldn't know enough to be insulted I've often speculated on why you don't return to America. Did you abscond with the church funds? Did you run off with the senator's wife? I like to think that you killed a man. It's the romantic in me. It's a combination of all three. And what in heaven's name brought you to Casablanca? My health. I came to Casablanca for the waters. The waters? What waters? We're in the desert. I was misinformed. <laughs> yeah, but but Rick is in the same company as Sam Spade, Ed's is the same company as the Raymond Chandler character. Marlowe. Philip Marlowe from The Big Sleep. They're all the same. Yeah, they are. And But I mean, there's there's a bit of, Cary, speaking of Cary Grant, there's a bit of like that Hoxian Grant dialogue here, but it's just played differently. He's, but it's as smart. Rick is is the suavest of the the gumshoes that Bogey will play. I mean, he's not. I, I think it's because he's not a gumshoe. Right. Right, like, right. Like he's not living a hard life. He's living a life where he can have as much alcohol as he wants. But he's and then stuck he can, in Casablanca, and right. that gives him that like. But you've you've seen his bar. It's so much better than any of those like detect. We always get the detective um, apartment where there's right. like a fan going and there's yeah. Like a he's small got a bed. safe full of money. He's got a little yeah. casino. He's, he's living okay. He's good, but he's he's an expat. He can't go home. There's all these like tragic details that are making him. Mm a noir character right but unlike a lot of noir characters he has such a heart of gold yeah because even before we get to the end he's like making sure that this woman doesn't have to sleep with renault and he makes sure that she gets money and then when one of his uh one of his table guys in the casino lose like loses him twenty thousand francs he's like don't worry about it you're doing your job get out of here he's such a nice guy i think in film noir though the rule is if it seemed like they boned, then they boned. Okay. Let's, let's say they boned, <laughs> but I only like the genre is the only thing like giving me the confidence. If it was a more melodramatic story and it wasn't using genre, like film noir styling to like gird all of the, all of the storytelling it's doing, then mm-hmm. I would be a little, you know, not as confident, but since there's so much noir to this film, like, well, let's say they boned. You think, uh, before they boned, he's like, <laughs> we should do it. And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, you may not regret it now, but you will for the rest of your life. <laughs> he just uses that line all the time. He's telling her that at the airport and she's like, not the sex talk. Again. Ugh, I already, we already did, we it's, did this. I'm leaving. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to take off. Uh, so they, they have some night together. Yeah. And that's some night. <laughs> well, then what happens? There's so much to this story. Well, basically what happens is Rick has made plans to go with Ilsa. Ostensibly. Oh, no. Ilsa says she'll stay here with right. him. And um, his plan is to send Laszlo away so he can get away from the Germans. Yeah. Right? But we also see Rick double-crossing them and talking to Renault and being like, he's going to come pick up the letters of get out of the country for yeah. me. And so he's got a lot of different like threads going on. Like this, this movie is, is really good at having him puppeteer everybody. Yeah. And we're not quite sure what his ultimate game plan is. Right. Which again, kind of goes back to the noir, 
like stylings of like a character that we're not understanding their intentions. And and it, the movie sets it up really well because we can really tell that he loves Ilsa, yeah. right? And we don't we we know that he has a heart of gold, but we also know that he's he's got like an edge and a darkness to him somewhere just because of the genre he's in. And because he was betrayed by Ilsa. And because he was betrayed by Ilsa. And so we don't know that he's not going to betray Victor Lazo. Like I'm never really afraid of it, but it's always on the back of my mind. Like, are you going to betray Laszlo so that he's at least completely out of the picture? Yeah. So at first it looks like he may be betraying Laszlo. Um, but then they go to the airport. Well, he, he does a double cross on Renault. Right. Victor Laszlo, you're under arrest. And a charge of accessory to the murder of the couriers from whom these letters were stolen. Oh, you're surprised about my friend Ricky. The explanation is quite simple. Love, it seems, has triumphed over virtue. Thank Not so fast, Louis. Nobody's going to be arrested, not for a while yet. Have you taken leave of your senses? I have. Sit down over there. Put that gun down. Louis, I wouldn't like to shoot you, but I will if you take one more step. Under the circumstances, I will sit down. But Ilsa still thinks that she's staying in Casablanca. Right. Right. They go to the airport. Renault calls the German. And the German's like, coming down to the airport. And basically, Bogey does his bogey thing of like, we got to get Laszlo and we got to get Ilsa on the plane. And Ilsa's like, what? We're going to Laszlo. We're going to Ilsa. We're going to Lisbon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank and you, Howard it, Dean. So we've gotten to the point where we finally caught up with Harry Met Sally. Right. The this argument is, this they is have the debate. in Harry Met Sally is Sally says, no, she's going with Victor Laszlo because she loves Victor Laszlo. And she should be with Victor Laszlo. And Harry's like, no. She should have stayed with Bogey. She'd be happy with Bogey. The best sex of your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, the maybe maybe best sex of your life. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. <laughs> and I want your honest opinion of this moment, one of the most romantic moments in all of history that doesn't even have a kiss in it. It's just these two people looking at each other and Ilsa desperately wanting him to change his mind, even though she knows that he's right. Cause he tells her like, look, if you stay here, you're going to get stuck in a concentration camp or worse. And, um, you know, he needs you in order to complete his mission. Like, yeah. like you're the, obviously the rock on which he stands. And we, we get that because Ilsa explains that like, or when her and Lazo were talking earlier in the movie, we, we understand that like they never leave each other. Like even when he could leave her and when he's in a lot of danger, he's never left her when she's been in trouble. Yeah. And so like, there's a lot of loyalty. There's a lot of Ilsa brand loyalty going on yeah. for Laszlo. Yeah. Um, and so this moment is filled with like the whole story playing out with Bogie's words and Bergman's eyes. Yeah. And I love it. I think this is one of my favorite scenes in any movie. I know it's like so cliche to say that but it's just so good mm -hmm. you're saying this only to make me go i'm saying it because it's true inside of us we both know you belong with victor you're part of his work the thing that keeps him going if that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him you'll regret it maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but soon and for the rest of your life but what about us we'll always have paris we didn't have we we lost it until you came to casablanca 
and got it back last night. When I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. Who do you think she should be with? This is why the movie is so good, is because she would be correct either way. Right. <laughs> her love for the answer both, is yes. Her love for both of those men are genuine. And mm-hmm. they, it's it can be true. This is one of the only stories where it's like, no, you can be in love with two people at once. <laughs> right? It's just like she it makes sense. There's no there's no betrayal to not love one for the other. It's just like And these these men as well, like when Bogey and Ilsa have their first like alone conversation, he in like is very hurt and insults her. At one point in time, he's like, How many men were between me and Laszlo? <laughs> oh, right? Oh man, that was And like it's not it's not the meanest thing that you can say to anyone, but it's But it's such a bitter it's feeling. It's so it's such a bitter thing to say to someone. And it yeah. really it like Ilsa is such a cool character because she she's hurt because of where she sees this man who once loved her. And she doesn't feel like necessarily any, she feels guilt for having hurt him, but not guilt for having made a wrong choice. Right. And I think that's important that the, the writers of this story like made her that character where she never feels like she's made the wrong choice. She just is in pain because she has to hurt people in order to make the right choice. Yeah. She couldn't not hurt someone. And the men as well, I'd say throughout this movie, after that first scene with Bogey, like um, Laszlo is like, hey, I get it. Like, you thought I was dead. You were lonely. I get it. And she never even cops to it, but he like gives her the permission to. He's so unintimidated by Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, which He's is like, crazy. like, hey, man. It's crazy. <laughs> <What> <laughs> and Bogey, in his turn, is also not really intimidated by Laszlo. Yeah, there's never, there's never that Bridget Jones diary of like, fight! There's never like this like ego fight, this like one ups upsmanship on each other. Like, the closest thing that it comes to is Bogey's a little bitter still, and Laszlo comes asking for the the papers of transit, and Bogey's like, mm, no, nah. And mainly <laughs> he's just like, go ask your wife about it because he's just like, she can come ask me for these. But like neither of them like resent each other. They just they all just kind of resent the situation. They're kind of grown ups about it. Yeah, they're grown ups about it. Yeah. It's great. Uh so to I mean, I think the correct answer is my answer. Which is yes. <laughs> that she loves both of them and she would the right choice would to be with either of them. But given under the cir- circumstances, she needed to go with Laszlo. She, I think she did need to go with Laszlo, but I also wouldn't I wouldn't blame her for wanting to come find Bogey again one day. Because if she stayed with Bogey, then there's something of a love conquers all feeling to that. Right? But there's a more noble choice in going with Victor Laszlo. Maybe well, that sounds that, obvious. No, no, no. It, you're, you're right. I What you're saying is just it's noble to go with Victor because not only do you love him, but also you're helping save the world. And if you stay with 
if you stay with Rick, it's more of the selfish choice because you are going to be with the person you love more. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny is like in the 40s, the Catholic League is like, well, there was only one correct answer. Go with the husband, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> like that's I think that's something that should be considered is that you, the you, alternative you, you think w- the... wouldn't have been allowed to be shot. They would not have been able to make the alternative. Well, they they could have if she she would have been killed. No, no, like they would well, have killed yeah, her if she. It, if it could it could be like if it was ending like a Chinatown or something like that. Or this is another way they could have written it. They're trying to get her on the plane, but the plane takes off and leaves, and right, and before she can get on. But it. the Hayes Code, the censorship of the day, mm-hmm. I don't think would have allowed her to freely choose to stay behind and and abandon her husband quote unquote because it's just kind of like husband that she thought was dead that emotionally had moved on from but then had to move emotionally go back to right which works for the plot but it also worked the reason why it's genius is because it, it works for the censors too exactly yeah uh and then the movie ends with um basically laszlo saying like thanks for coming back into the fight because apparently bogey used to be kind of a, a freedom, freedom fighter, fighter for hire Basically, he was what Ernest, Ernest Hemingway, Hemingway loved to to write about. Yeah, which is funny because Bogey was into Have and Have Not, which was a Hemingway production. Yeah, that's true. And then him and uh, they killed they kill the Reich or the the Strasser guy. Yeah, uh, him and Renault. And then Renault is like, "Hey, let's go join the the Foreign Legion. Let's get out of here." Yeah, and so they they both like. Uh, look like they're going to join the fight, which I just have great headcanon afterwards. I want to like, see the movie. Like I, like who would we cast today? Because you can't do Harrison Ford anymore; he's too old. De-age him. Okay, okay. Um, but like, I want to see the movie where the two of them fight out World War II together. I would challenge. I think he could do it. I, I think w- you could do it. I would challenge. I think he can do it. Gosling. I, oh, I think he could do I it. I think he could do it. I think he can pull off the smooth and the hard. I think he can do it. I think he could do it. I think he can do it. I think he could do it. I think he can do it. Gosling, 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 um, Ryan has made a, a startling discovery. Uh, well, an impassioned plea to talk about love triangles again. Uh, we have done this, but you want to talk about it. Why? Because I want to make the case that this is probably the best, the best love triangle on screen. Hmm. Tell me Why? Because of the things that we just said, that she would be correct in picking either of these men. Okay. Tell me how that's different from To All the Boys I Loved Before, too. I don't... It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter if she goes with John Ambrose or Kavinsky. Like, go with Kavinsky because he's the, like, reliable, like, whoa, 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 Mm. hey, hey, hey kind of guy. Sure. So, what you're saying... But if she went with John Ambrose, it's like... And she decided to go with John Ambrose. Like, it wouldn't make it that big of a difference. Sure. But in this movie, there are stakes to this exactly. triangle. It, it, it's life-changing for everybody. No matter what 
decision is made, it is a life-altering... Whereas there's probably about 50 other Laura Jeans in Portland you could find. Uh, and a hundred John Ambroses, but only one Peter Gavinsky. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but like, that's 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 dating what happens into all the boys too. It's just like, well, I was kind of dating this guy, but you know, we had some issues. And then I met this other guy, and you know, I had a crush on him in sixth grade, and blah, blah, blah. right. And I think not to discount to all the boys. No, no, too. no, 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 no. That's fine. But I think in in Casablanca, one of the great all time romantic films the the love can't be helped like mm-hmm. the love triangle situation can't be helped yeah because like and i think it's it's epitomized in his you know in all the gin joints and all the world speech and all the gin joints and all the <laughs> <laughs> there was like chandler bings humphrey bogart um, <laughs> could i be drinking any more whiskey so he's you know it's it's fate that has caused the love triangle yeah this is melodrama like war has you know torn these people apart it had caused these people to come together it's good melodrama right because if we take to all the boys too it's it's really melodrama caused by high school tom fuckery no it's it's literally just drama caused by well, kind kind of her sister sending the letters off in the first movie, but it's mainly that Lara Jean just doesn't want to say that she's kind of falling for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's so undramatic. And the stakes there are high school stakes. Right. Like when you're in it, when you're in the midst of it, it, it can feel really real. Sure. And, you know, I'm sure if we were in high school, we would be relating to To All the Boys even more. But but when did you see this movie for the first time? Well, that's the universality of Casablanca versus the universality of To All the Boys too. Like I we, saw this movie when I was twelve and I liked it. When we watch a good teen movie, if it can be universal, you can have creepy grown ups go and enjoy it. <laughs> what? You're not creepy if you watch Breakfast Club. I know, but it's just kind of like if you're going to see a seven PM showing of Mean Girls and there's like a fifty year old guy there by himself, it feels a little weird. Hey, to all you fifty year olds out there who want to see Mean Girls, it's a good movie. You feel free, okay? <laughs> if you don't have any friends to go with that day, it's fine. Don't listen to Ryan. Wasn't there ever a time when you went to the movies and you're like, I get why I'm here with eight of my friends, but why are you here, sir? I mean, I probably did think that, but that was because I was an ignorant little fucker. <laughs> I I had some Stranger Danger vibes at the movie theater every once in a while. So Okay, that's fine. <laughs> stranger Danger. <laughs> so sue me. But my, my point is, <laughs> Casablanca has that universal appeal. You know, World War II is always a great conflict to, to throw your story into. Uh, for them, it was just real life. Sure. It wasn't like they were making, let's make a World War II movie. It's just like, let's just make a, what we're going through right this second. Um what was your question? Oh, I just I, I just asked you why you wanted to talk about um, three ways. So no, no love triangles, love triangles, and and I think <laughs> just imagine Bogey's like, well, if he's into it, maybe we can work something out. Well, he does he does imply that at one point in time. Does he? Yeah. What's the the line where I'll put it in here where basically he says, Monsieur Rick. Yes. Could I speak to you for just a moment, please? You get in here. You're underage. I came with Captain Reno. I should have known. My husband is with me, too. 
He is. Well, Captain Rhino's getting broad-minded. Sit down. Okay. You have a drink? I can I can see how you can take that and uh, run with it. I I just think there's um there's hints and allegations here, as Paul Simon would say. Hints and allegations. Yeah. So again, in our other movies with love triangles, you've got it's complicated where Steve Martin versus Alec Baldwin. It's like Alec Baldwin. There's there's history. Steve Martin. There's like a future, but it's just kind of like there's more Steve Martins out there. Like, if it doesn't work out sure. with this Steve Martin, there'll be others. I mean, she is going to see him, though, because he's the architect on her house. Right, but it's not like there's no there's no dramatic need for her and him to, this like, This is what I'm talking work. about. This, make, this makes this a great movie. Yeah, there's a dramatic need behind her and Bogey because they have this undeniable chemistry that's once-in-a-lifetime love. And and then you have Victor Lazo. It's like that's her husband, and that's they also have a past together, and they have also a once in a time li- lifetime love. And Victor Lazlo needs her. I think I think the great thing, and maybe maybe we need more of these to happen, where you can build in both past and potential future into both of the love interests of a triangle, mm-hmm. because you know, in like let's let's take something like um, she's got to have it. You know, she she has a past with all these guys, but it's a past that she's had all at the same time. Yeah. Right. So it's not like they had individual, like romantic, like you're the one I want to be with trysts in the past, Um, which I mean, this this is more the movie that where like somebody's about to get married and then somebody from their past comes in and it's like, oh no, there's this person that I want to be with the rest of my life, but this other person that it didn't work out with, but it was wonderful and maybe it could now work out in the future. <laughs> and she never notices when it's raining and right. it's really annoying. Right, but I but this one's just better. This one's better because it's set against a romantic backdrop with a bunch at stake and it makes romance matter because life matters. And I think... That's our advice to future films and filmmakers that when you're creating your love stories, give the characters need to be together. And that's what we appreciate about To All the Boys 3 is that suddenly there was dramatic need. The first two, it didn't feel that dramatic. But now it's just like Laura Jean having to figure out what her future is. She has a, She's having to pick between New York and Peter Kavinsky. Yeah, it's it's not like, she, like her, her major question in the movie is... Do I? How long do I want to volunteer at this old person's? John home? Ambrose plays the piano. Peter mm. Kavinsky did date me last movie. Uh, flip a coin. Uh, yeah, let's flip a coin. I, I, I do. I feel like they did. She did flip a coin. A lot it's, of because she kissed John Ambrose, and then she's like, "Well, yeah. I felt more kissing Peter, I guess." <laughs> kissing you felt like it was kissing my brother <laughs> there you go but i feel like a lot of love triangles i feel like the screenwriters just flip a coin at the end and, and they're like eh, that one and like sometimes they have their cake and eat it too like it's complicated it's like alec baldwin i regret nothing that was fun i'm gonna go with b steve martin now we have to really care about our main character and who they end up with for that decision to feel big but her saying goodbye to Alec Baldwin is just kind of like, we got what we needed out of this. Yeah. And I'm like, Meryl, you're fine, but it's not like you're the end all be all best character I've ever seen on screen. Yeah. So I'm going to just put it out there into the gauntlet. Show me a better love triangle. 
You know what's a, a f- I, what love triangles I like sometimes mm-hmm. are ones like Amy, Rory, and the Doctor, where it's not necessarily <laughs> a love triangle, but two characters are kind of fighting for Rory's affection or Amy's affection the whole time. I was thinking for 30 seconds there of Gilmore Girls. I'm like, the doctor, the doctor, the doctor. Which <laughs> doctor is in Gilmore Girls? <laughs> but I mean, you got you got Jess and you got Dean, you know, at the same time. And which one does she go with? They, they both suck, right? <sighs> no. Right, right, Ryan, you know I'm not going to say yes to this. Dean loses his honor. Dean loses his honor. Stop. No, we're not going to have this discussion right now. Let's let's Dean No, don't loses don't, his don't. Honor. Yeah, that's fine. But Dean loses his honor. The great. <laughs> what I want to ask you is Dean and Jess, which one is Victor Laszlo and which one is Rick? Does not apply. Like I don't No, 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 no. You have to answer my question. Uh Dean is obviously Victor Laszlo. I guess so, but Because he... he's more vanilla. Yeah. And Jess is obviously Rick, right? Yeah, but there's no... I don't want her to be with either of them, which is why I'm Team Logan. Okay. Um, well, Aren't you? Right. Any sane person would be Team Logan. Just has potential, is all I'm saying. He changes and becomes a different person. Okay. I will say, Jess, at the very end, I could go for it. Okay. The very end. He runs a poetry print. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's cool. It's cool. So, if you're not going to fall in love with either Dean or Jess, would you fall in love with anybody from this movie? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, I love I love you. I know. Um, I'm gonna go. Is it Ferrari? <laughs> but uh, you, we haven't talked about him yet. The fat but he's, man. He's he's yeah. He's uh, he runs the blue parrot, and he's he's quite a character. No. <laughs> so him and Rick are the only people not looking to leave for America. Yeah, I mean, really. Rick just can't leave for America, right. and Ferrari is just like, eh. Pretty good here. I could own two nightclubs. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going with the fat man. I drank so much while watching this movie. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm still a little hungover. I had a it. nice martini during it. It's a nice movie to have a martini with. Yeah, definitely. Can I make a confession? Yeah. I am not in the camp that thinks Ingrid Bergman is the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, yeah. I mean, you didn't jump on my Catherine Hepburn train either, so... Um, no. Who... Uh, is it? Is it going to... In the 40s, like, if Lauren Bacall was playing Ilsa, it would have been, you know. But Lauren Bacall is not that dissimilar to Ingrid Bergman. There is a sultriness to Bacall that Bergman doesn't have. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a... um, And every woman. Every woman. Like, I was going to say... No, I was going to say that Bergman kind of has a... um, like a a prep school look to her. Whereas Lauren Bacall seems more like she was raised on the streets. Oh, certainly, certainly. <laughs> but, you know, that would mean... I'm looking at a picture right now of Lauren Bacall. I mean, both of them got to be with Bogey, right? Essentially. In, 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 <laughs> in certain respects. 
No, but you're right. Bac- Bacall definitely has a sulch to her that um, that Bergman doesn't. Yeah, and I feel bad because like Bergman is famous for being one of the greatest actresses of all time, and then equally lauded as one of the most beautiful actresses of all time. And I'm just kind of like both true, eh, not for both me. true, both true uh, for you. That's but, fine. But I will beauty say beauty is in the eye. Yeah, of yeah of Saruman. <sighs> Sorry, Sauron. Yeah. Whew, what is your deal? <laughs> anyway, so you think I would? I would still go with Ilsa. So well, oh my gosh! What? After all that, you're because, not going to pick because, one. Because you're not going to say I would rather fall in love with Peter Lorre. Def- <laughs> no, come on. He's creepy. Come on, he could get you papers. He's and, a murder. He'd kill for you. That's true. And Victor Laszlo is heroic but boring. What about Bogey Ryan? Bogey drinks too much. I oh, would... okay. No, no, you're <laughs> hiding from this right now. One of Lauren or one of Robin's favorite things is when you, you know, pick somebody that she doesn't expect and. I really it's not we going to g- be bogey because he is so temperamental and so. What are you talking about? Look how much of a huff he gets in about stuff. Okay, no, I am arguing. You're you're trying to make arguments where they don't exist. He gets in a huff once in this movie. You know why? Because because he had his heart broken. Well, okay. I'm sorry, Ryan. The rest of the movie, he's as cool as a cucumber, a nice gentleman, and will treat you well, and is probably very generous. Uh, as treat a you lover. well? Did you as see how lover. he treated the French lady? The French he, lady? Yeah. The that one, he sends away? He's just like, get out of here. Get in a cab. I don't want to talk to you. No. Okay. So they broke up sometime previously. And then she is like, hey, I'm going to like hang out in here and get super drunk and like get mad at you. And he's like, no, no, it's time to go home. As a server and somebody who worked in the restaurant industry, you tell me that he didn't handle that situation perfectly. As a manager, yeah. As an ex-boyfriend, I don't know. As an ex-boyfriend, too. I don't know. But anyway. he there there's something standoffish in his zinginess, you know, where he's just like, <laughs> doesn't bother me, I'm Mr. Neutral. Yeah, but if he loves you, it's obvious that he does. The, there's, there's the other question. Would he love me <laughs> as much as he would love Ingrid? Like, wait, who am I in this situation? Do I look like Ingrid Bergman? I, okay, I think <laughs> I think what we have to say is not only do we fall in love with them, but in our made-up crazy scenario, <laughs> who are they we? also fall in love with us. They, they ha- so you're saying so you're he... Ingrid, you're, 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 not, you're Ingrid Bergman, not Igmar Bergman right now. I think I would have a chemistry with Ingrid Bergman. I just don't see myself getting along very well with Rick. I just don't really? see it happening. I don't. I don't think we get along. It just wouldn't work out. Me and Elsa, we would have a good time. But it's kind of like this. These are one of the movies. It's like I love all these people, but I don't feel. You know when you watch a rom com and it's just like there she is. There's my dream girl. She's on the screen right here. Yeah. Dream girl right here. Elsa's not my dream girl. She's a her a hero. She's like a romantic hero. But there's not that. Well, I like, ne- you need to tell me a reason why you'd fall in love with her. All you've told me is, well, these are reasons I don't like her. No, no. These yeah, are you're reasons. Like, you're basically like, I'm going to pick her because I guess she is beautiful. It wouldn't be a burning affair. She, she is noble, genuine, good, kind of vanilla for me. Kind of a what? Vanilla for me. Okay. Wouldn't you say? I'm. I'm asking you. That's what I. That's my assessment of her. All She's, right, you you still haven't like okay. That's, oh, you remember when in Sense and Sensibility when Marianne is like, so what do you think of Hugh Grant? Emma Thompson and she's like he's nice I like him I feel like 
you were describing it in that way where you're like, I'm going to pick Ingmar or Ingrid Bergman because, you know, I guess she's nice and that, stuff. That's just to show you that I uh, I don't really have a a match in this one. Yeah, It's not even like, you know, there's there's not even like we haven't even talked about Sam. He could lull you. That's true. That would be nice. Very musical. That would be fun. There's the French girl, but she wants to sleep with the German officer, so that's weird. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really like her. She's... Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it's it's a process of elimination for me, I don't, I don't say. Okay. For me, it's going to be the band. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Wow. I mean, for, in real life, Ingrid Bergman, probably. Right. But I'm for this movie, I'm going to say the band. You can't have the whole band. Yes, I can. Because they come as a unit. No... I, Ryan, no. I'm sorry. Shush. I just listened to you talk you about can't how, have... how Ingrid Bergman is vanilla, but I guess I'll still fall in love with her. I'm going to pick the band. The band is... If you get to pick the band, then I'm picking the wonders, okay? Because if bands are on the table, then I'm taking all the wonders from that thing you do. The episode ended already. Sorry, you can't go back. But next time we do the movie, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the band is cool because they do the knock on wood song which i like but besides that they just kind of kill it with the whole uh, like at a certain point in time the nazis are being boobs like they do and they're singing like songs about the fatherland and stuff like that and then you know the like Victor Laszlo steps up. This is his real shiny moment. This is where we see why Ingrid Bergman loves This him. is Victor Laszlo, though. The band didn't do this on their own volition. This was Victor Laszlo Wait leading for them. It. Wait for it. Okay. Victor Laszlo has a lot of passion and he's like driving everybody to, you know, sing about France and um, be like, you know, the French spirit will never be broken by the Germans because we're going to sing about Marseille and stuff. And it's a beautiful moment. But he like, goes up to the band and he's like play this song and the band all looks over to rick and they're like should we play the song and he's like yeah go ahead and play this yeah. song and so they're like okay and this band just they can play any song so i i'm i'm gonna fall in love with the band because they apparently know every song <laughs> i love that in the casablanca both of us are like bogey yeah Okay, I'm gonna just pick Bogey then. No, you can pick the band. I'm giving you the band. You can have the band. Take I, the band. The band. I'm picking the band then. Take the band because the band, the band's great. The band, the band is. You don't even know their name. They can. Well, there's five. There's six of them. I'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> they just seem like a fun group of people. Yeah. Okay. okay. So what Oscar are you gonna give it? No, no, no. Give me the real deal. Give this movie a Ramcam. Oscar. Why was I JFK? That was JFK. That was JFK's ah, rom-com give Oscar. Me the, give, me, give me something to say again as a, as a bogey. I got to get into it. Um, uh, what would you need to say? What's one of his lines? Doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Doesn't amount to a hill of beans. That's, that's, that's okay. Give it a ramcam Oscar. All right, that was just Popeye. I'm, well, give it a wrong go, Oscar, anyway. Uh, shoot. Best editing. Really? This movie is an hour and 42 minutes, and it could have been two hours. Sure. But they were wise enough to make it an hour and 42 minutes. The thing moves. It moves, and there is also an hour 22-minute version of this movie. Whoa. Yeah, or 27, sorry. Hour 27. And I don't know what they cut, but probably that whole introduction that's like, 
Germany is on the brink of war right. or whatever. Um, but there is no fat. It no. is efficient. And uh, there is no wasted time. Like, I just, every shot that's in here is just drilling down something like, everyone's trying to get out of here or this is Rick's life or this is Ilsa's life. There's always something being done. Yes, it's very good. There's there's even a shot of Ingrid Bergman who is where where she's just sitting there while Sam plays. You must remember this. Or it's not you must remember this as time goes by. Yeah. And it just sits on her for like 15 seconds as her eyes get teary. Yeah. And oh, breaks, breaks the head. And the heart. Um. Well, I'm actually giving this a technical award too. Mm-hmm. This is best cinematography for me. Yeah. Um, the moves are efficient. The lighting is noir, but not to the point where it's a, like distractingly noir. It's there's, there's light where there should be light. And it's not like they're like, you know, you know, when you're watching like even the third man or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're going to, make some hard shadows out of nowhere, baby, right. because it's dark. And we're talking about the difference between humans and darkness. <laughs> and this movie, like it, it takes time just to, to play with shadows in a fun way. Even like, I'm not even just talking about when, you know, Rick and Sam are first having their discussion after the bar closes and, you know, he's smoking and drinking and Sam's like, let's go fish and get drunk, man. And <laughs> Sam's like, no, play the song. Yeah. And like, that's beautiful in and of itself. And like all of the outside scenes are lit beautifully too. But there's this scene where Rick goes to the, um, to the safe yeah, and opens it up. And there's this like spotlight that's on him. That's like shooting such a hard shadow against the wall behind him while somebody, I think it's Carl, his maitre d' talks to him from behind. And it's just such a beautiful shot. And the way that the, the spotlight is cropped. It makes it look like one of those rounded tr- like doors that yeah. just uh, has a, an arch to it. And it's, it's really beautiful. Like details in every single moment, like Curtiz directed the crap out of it. And whoever the cinematographer is did such a good job lighting it. So you've seen the adventures of Robin hood, right? Yes. I, I love the adventures of Robin. I hood. haven't, but I've seen the scene where Robin hood's fighting someone with the sword Yes, and, and it did the huge shadow on the wall. Yeah, and then Spielberg stole that for like Indiana Jones and Hook. Mm-hmm. But it just—it's like that's just Curtiz's thing. He's like, "Oh, we can have shadows here. This is great, and we can use silhouette." It, it makes a—it makes a character seem either larger in life or more mysterious because they exist even when they're not on screen. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, and it gives Bogey that noir presence. Yeah, yeah, which he doesn't even need, but it just it just keeps it. going. It's so good. Yeah, and it makes me feel bad. Like movies today, just they're the lighting is just nothing compared to movies from the forties. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've had these conversations with um, DPs today where I, I just want to know their style and like whether they're like, because DPs are all about like lighting a scene so that everything is lit. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of it isn't like. It's like, oh, this is so that you can, like, since we're shooting in log, you can bring out the shadows if you want, or you can, you know, dim them down, or it's like, you have more control in the end. And I'm like, that's great, but I want to go into this shot with, like, a plan. It's lazy, because right? it's like that orange and teal <sighs> look in every movie, where they don't know what color scheme to use, so just throw on the orange and teal. The, uh, so I, I just finished playing Last of Us 2, which is... A great game, but it like totally tore me apart. Um, <laughs> like you're like, can I talk to you about it? I'm like, well, I want to play it and I can't play it, so no. 
It's, it's <laughs> one day, one day we'll sit down and talk about it. But once you beat the game, it has a whole bunch of palettes that you can replay the game in. Like oh, it has like a hundred different, gnarly. like, I mean, you can play it as if it's like a comic book or, cool. um, but there's one that's just called Blorange <laughs> and it's like just blue and orange. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I feel like even they are making fun of that. Like every, every, to know what we're talking about, people just go watch Jurassic world. This, the sky is way greener than the sky should be. And skin tone is way oranger than it should be. Exactly. It's it's bad basically if you're if you're looking at something and they have this orange and teal look that's the filmmakers saying we don't know what kind of colors to use so, so we'll we're just throw just, a lot on it so later. we're just going to use the default look that we are supposed to use because we can't come up with anything interesting Blech. anyway the movie like this proves why it doesn't have to be that way you can think for yourself filmmakers <laughs> and the um, lighting is just that exemplary it is. So good choice. Very Thank good choice. you. I, I was surprised that neither of us did like best romance or best um, best love triangle or best writing because any of those could have also been on our list. You know, Rick and Elsa, their love story, it's pretty basic but powerful. It is. And I think it's because it's stripped of detail. Yeah. Whereas Notting Hill, there's nuance to what's going on between Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. There's a lot to it that... There's insecurities there. There's like mm-hmm. fears there. There's practical problems there. And, you know, we really get to know this relationship. But there's something more archetypal about Rick, Rick and Ilsa. It's just like they fell in love. That's all you need to know. I, I think there's something very powerful here that we've talked about before where, like, in Four Weddings and a Funeral, we see every moment that, basically every moment that Hugh Grant and Andy McDowell have, right? Yeah, yeah. And what we see is pretty... There's, there's not a lot there. We see that there's an attraction. No, no there really well, isn't. <laughs> we see that there's an attraction. We see that they sleep together. Real feelings had, right? Sexy feelings. Sexy feelings, maybe even fall in love feelings. Yeah. But at that same time, like, we've... I, I'm going to be Patrick Stewart here and say, we've I've seen everything. We've seen everything. I've seen everything. I've seen it all. Whereas... And so if, if, if there's no chance for our imagination to be like, what didn't we see? And uh-huh. what can I fill in oh, this yeah. blank we space could, in? We have so with, much opportunity to project onto Rick and Elsa. There's so much. Like, I don't know half or we, we, we only got a, a whisper mm-hmm. of what their tryst was like. A in, rumor. It, yeah. Yeah. It, what like went on in Paris between the two of them. But what we do see is hot, heavy, beautiful, and romantic. And so we can imply that if they still feel that way about each other after like being together for a while, that this is a great relationship. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm here for it. Yeah. Cool. Well, did you have any other thoughts on Casablanca? You know what I like about this movie? There's a chance to judge Renault for mm-hmm. being a collaborator which right. he, he is and you can judge him for that but the movie kind of gives people leeway to make right choices yeah which i really like yeah like um whether it's the romance or whether it's the like the implications of this war like they're like peter lorry dies right he's mm-hmm. handed over the germans and he's killed swiftly mm-hmm. and you could blame renault for that but i don't really act like i i 
don't want him to just be killed outright, but because he just killed a couple of Nazis. But at the same time, I'm like, it's not the worst thing that you did, Renault, in order to like keep your city at peace because you think that you're the best person to do this. Yeah. And so when he's going off with Bogey at the end and he he doesn't turn Bogey over to the French police mm-hmm. when he could, I'm just like, no, I like you because you're clever and like a great conversationalist. And now you've fully won your way back into my camp after being a cad because you've made a good choice. Because he, he had to play this kind of cat and mouse game of like allegiances of like, I'm not going to go full Nazi, but if I'm going to keep my head, I got to like kind of play along. Right. Which we, we don't necessarily need to love him for that, but the movie gives him a chance to redeem himself. And one of my favorite things about like the best movies is they treat everybody as if they're humans who can both make mistakes and overcome their failings. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like bogey does here. And I feel like, um, Ingrid Bergman does here in the way that she is like, yeah, I left you without telling you exactly why. And I shouldn't have done that. And so I'm telling you now. Yeah. Every, everybody has a chance for redemption. And I love that. Uh, I want to close by pointing out that this movie for its production was just another production. Like Casablanca today is like lauded as like a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And today when people are working on movies that they're like, Oh, this is something special. You know when you're on a good set of like, okay, this is gelling. This is going to be something. And you definitely know when you're making a shitty movie. You yeah. you know it's like, okay, this is going to be nothing. Who cares? But with Casablanca, this was during the studio system when they were just cranking them out. And for them, they're just like, yep, today we're shooting Casablanca. Next week we're shooting this. Next week we're shooting that. Like no one knew that it was going to be this monster. Mm-hmm. And like it was su- successful then. But as years come on, it just keeps not growing necessarily, but just maintaining its yeah. its heft. Its last ability is peak. But when they when they made this movie, for everyone involved, just like yeah, just another movie, just you know, because mm. it was their. It, people weren't like hired for a movie; they worked for Warner Brothers. That was their day job. And everybody's super stressed out because like it's like is America going to enter the war? Is America- <laughs> All right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Masterpiece, well, masterpiece. Are we going to get another masterpiece next week, Ryan? Only the computer generator would tell. <laughs> oh. Ooh. All right. Give me a number. 42 after the movie that we just watched. It's literally blank. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, what, what's my, what's, what does this go to? Um, out of 179. Wow, let's do 111. Three ones. Oh, yes, I am excited. This is great. We are doing my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, hey, all, all right. right. I've been watching a bunch of Perfect Strangers these days, and Joel Zwick directs every episode of that. Oh, man. So I'm I'm really, I'm, I'm happy about this I'm one. Happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. All right, getting back into the 2000s. Yeah. So that's uh, that's our show, everybody. Join us next week for some baklava and, you know. <laughs> some Windex. Yeah, and some Windex. Yeah. Where can people find us? Let's see. They can find us uh, at Facebook, at Romcom Gents, Instagram, at Romcom Gents, Patreon, at Romcom Gents. Like, Romcom Gents everywhere. Anywhere that's how we do and it. everywhere. And you can also email us if you'd like, Romcom Gents at 
gmail.com. Send us your requests for movies we should do. Let us know something we missed about your favorite movie where you're like, oh, I love this part. Why didn't you mention this person? Because the thing is, we have to try to keep this under seven hours. And so, yep. you know, we, we we generally don't talk about every single part, even though we probably loved it too. But let us know. Maybe yep. we'll put it on in the letter segment. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, um, Kelly. What? We'll always have Paris. I love you too, kid. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom coms. Hey, I should look at you. I just sound like, um, what's his name? Uh, Jack Black. Here's looking at you.